Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk Today, 96.5 TIC FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning. Happy Mother's Day. And we are pleased to be joined by Eric Hammerling, Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, and happy Mother's Day for everyone. Well, certainly state parks and forests and trails have been useful for a lot of people during the pandemic. How are they all holding up considering how loved they have been over the past year plus? It really is amazing. Uh, there's actually been some work done by uh, by Yukon's uh, Connecticut Trail Census to try to chart how much use there has been of the trails. And looking statewide, you know, they've estimated it's almost a 40% increase in trail use uh, in 2020 uh, compared to 2019. And we certainly see that continuing this spring. Uh, Deep uh, has said that at many of the state parks and forests, they've seen a 10 to 20 percent increase in attendance uh, and a 50 percent increase in people who are using trails. So we think that's very exciting. Uh, That's what they're for. These are public resources that uh, we know uh, people cherish. There are so many wonderful places to go around the state and we're we're glad people are getting out to them. I should just say that, um, you know, there's an estimated uh, 3000 miles of trails in Connecticut, even more than 3000 miles of trails. So there is space for people to enjoy them safely. And we hope people will take advantage of that. This must come with some wear and tear, though. Oh, for sure. And they're unfortunately, you know, they're the other side of lots of people getting out to trails and perhaps a number of people getting out to trails for the first time and not necessarily knowing, um, you know, how to uh, take care of things like their own uh, garbage or, um, you know, we, we have unfortunately seen, in addition to some uh, some more trash, there has been more graffiti and, uh, and damage of certain uh, facilities that has just come with a lot of extra use, as you might imagine, uh, for the state as it's trying to uh, keep state parks and forests and wildlife management areas clean and safe for the public. It, they have been under a lot of uh, pressure. Uh, they've had to spend uh, money on things like, uh, you know, PPE to keep their uh, their workers safe um, and to keep the public safe as well. So I, we would definitely encourage people as they're getting outdoors 
to be thinking about some basic things like, uh, you know, if they bring any things uh, to parks, forests, trails, to make sure to bring them out with them. Uh, we're, we're both encouraged when we see people walking along trails with a bag to pick up some extra, you know, garbage along the way, but also frustrated at the same time that they have to do that. So. Um, we think a, a little bit of etiquette goes a long way and means many more people will have an enjoyable experience outdoors. How big an issue is discarded PPE along trails and in parks? Yeah, unfortunately, I've seen that uh, in a lot of places, um, you know, it, it, and I guess it's a mixed blessing. That probably means that at least for a certain amount of time, people were wearing their PPE to uh, keep others and themselves safe. But obviously, uh, when you have disposable PPE, you want to make sure to take that with you, uh, discard of it, uh, discard of it at home, uh, or in a in a garbage appropriately, and not drop it alongside a trail. Uh, it's not. Uh, really a wonderful thing for other people to stumble upon. And of course, because people are also uh, just extra sensitive um, about, you know, health and uh, potential disease vectors, no one really wants to pick up someone else's mask. So we would encourage people to take care of their own. Certainly we're able to do more things in more places than we were, say, a year ago. Do you see interest in parks and forests and trails subsiding at all with people having more options than they did at the onset of the pandemic? I don't. And in fact, um, I, I've seen quite the opposite. I've heard many stories from many people who said, you know, Eric, I, we were not really big trails people before the pandemic, but we uh, have been getting outdoors as a way to, um, you know, for physical health, for mental health, for uh, connecting to nature for reducing stress and anxiety. And we've gotten hooked. We are now uh, trail users. We are getting out there. We feel better than we've ever felt before. And I, I've got to say, I, I, you know, it's important to recognize that Connecticut is one of the states that was, uh, I'd say, really wise in never closing access to the outdoors during the pandemic and knowing that even though uh, use might be restricted somewhat, you know, having smaller parking areas, encouraging people to recreate in smaller groups. Um, they never closed the outdoors uh, to the public. And that meant that people were really, when, when there was nothing to do indoors, uh, there were always lots of things to do outdoors and people have responded in a big way. I, I expect that to uh, not only continue, but maybe even increase because people increase their comfort um, and know what a wonderful way it is to uh, enjoy themselves. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to have a big year this year as well. Now, with so many new users, talk a little about trail etiquette and how things have changed during the pandemic. Say you're you're hiking on a Blue Blaze Trail someplace in Connecticut and you encounter someone coming in the other direction or you're going more slowly than someone behind you and they want to pass. How does that work? Well, I, I would say uh, always be aware of your surroundings and uh, you know whether or not you are with a group of people. Um, you should try to just be cognizant of the fact that there are other people using that trail who might be coming the other direction, might be coming uh, you know, quickly up behind you. And you should just, if you're not um, with other people uh, and, and uh, are able to be distanced to people, you can uh, you know, remove or let down your, your mask um, or your gaiter. 
but I, I would certainly say keep it in uh, some proximity because, um, you know, e even though there has been a lot more information coming out about uh, the relative safety of uh, even not being masked outdoors, that is when you can be distanced from others. And when you have people passing you on the trail, I would always encourage people to, you know, be the one first to step aside, uh, let someone else uh, pass you at a safe distance. Um, I have, and, and uh, several people do, uh, you know, bring a walking stick with them from time to time. Uh, you're, you know, if you have a walking stick that's about uh, four feet uh, to five feet long, that will give you a good sense of, you know, what six feet actually looks like. And I'm not suggesting that anyone should be um, waving their walking stick around to uh, tell people to go, uh, you know, beyond that distance. But you know, just to be uh, safe and courteous, and, and of course, that that being safe and courteous uh, with regard to the pandemic um, extends to what I was mentioning before, which is, you know, be uh, safe and courteous too when it comes to, um, you know, how you are um, uh, taking, uh, you know, garbage with you uh, rather than uh, dropping it along the trail. You certainly also want to take those other basic precautions that you would take if you are hiking, especially if you're uh, going hiking by yourself. You want to have a phone with you that is charged. You want to uh, let people know that you are going on a walk. Uh, you want to um, take any precautions that you may have to take uh, to make sure that you don't get dehydrated that you um, are safe from you know, bugs and ticks, so you wanna do your tick checks. I mean, there are all those things that are important to keep in mind if you want uh, the outdoor experience to be you know, as safe as it can be. Um, and then I, I would say, just go do it, explore, find some new places to go. Um, and wherever you go though, be courteous of others. A lot of people have welcomed a new dog into the family during the pandemic. What advice do you have for hiking with your dog? I, I would say, you know, the, the real, um, this is a hard one because I, I know how, um, how tempting it is to let your dog off leash, especially if you have a very well-trained pet. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, other people uh, who might be using the trail don't know that your pet is well-trained, uh, do not know that your pet is not a dangerous, uh, you know, animal. Um, and we have certainly heard from a number of people who are, uh, are concerned when a dog that they don't know comes running up that you, you don't know, is it being friendly? Is it in attack mode? So I would definitely encourage people to keep their pets on leash um, and, or go to a place where it's very clearly allowed for pets to be off leash. You know, often at a trailhead, there will be some rules for, you know, this is either a walking only trail or allows biking or equestrian use or other uses. Really pay attention to what is allowed uh, where you are, and that will help everyone have a great time. Okay. And now your group is, you have a lot of volunteers who help to maintain trails. Are you looking for more volunteers? Uh, thanks for asking that, Aaron. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, since 1929, that, that's when the Blue Blazed Hiking Trail system began. And since that time, it's primarily volunteers who help to maintain it. So if you walk around on you know, various 
blue blazed hiking trails. You know, don't uh, think that it's, you know, the state or the, you know, someone from the government that's necessarily taking care of that. In most situations, it's volunteers like, uh, like we all are who are taking some time uh, to go out and make sure that the blazes on the trees so that people don't get lost or painted, that the, um, the walkway is as uh, you know, open as possible um, and that places are well tended to. Uh, we're always looking for additional volunteers. And if you went to the, the website of the Connecticut Forest and Parks Association, which is uh, ctwoodlands.org, you would see if you're interested in volunteering, uh, there's a button there for how to volunteer. You'll see what uh, various events are happening around uh, the year and how you might be able to uh, pitch in and help. So we, thanks for raising it. We, we are a volunteer-based organization, though we have a small staff, small professional staff. Uh, without volunteers, we really couldn't accomplish half of what we do. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Eric Hammerling, Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. The association is also involved in legislative advocacy. What are you watching in the General Assembly this year? Well, one of the things we want to make sure uh, of is that the Passport to the Parks program is protected. Uh, fortunately, in both the uh, budget uh, put forward by the governor and the budget put forward by the General Assembly, uh, the passport uh, funding stays intact. Why is that so important? Well, uh, we all contribute to the passport to the parks. It's a $5 fee on our uh, vehicle registration uh, that we pay for you know, each vehicle $5 per year. Um, that $5 per year goes directly towards uh, paying for the operations and maintenance of our state parks. Um, and there have been some, pro some proposals um, periodically in the legislature that would either exempt certain users or uh, you know, otherwise you know, divert funding from the passport to the parks. Uh, and there was a proposal earlier this year, actually, that we expected was probably going to result in a, a loss of almost 50%, half of the funding available for maintaining uh, state parks. That would have been a disaster. We would have seen uh, state parks uh, being closed or mothballed or, you know, gates up and you can uh, help yourself. Um, without any um, uh, tending to those places, we would have seen uh, state campgrounds also be closed because they're also maintained by the folks who are supported by the passport to the parks. Uh, none of that would have been good. And I'm so glad uh, that the proposal in the legislature was defeated. But um, I, I am very aware, keenly aware, that the legislative session goes uh, until Wednesday, June 9th at midnight. Um, I have been there in past years uh, at you know 11:59, hoping that certain things would be passed, hoping that other things would not be passed, uh, and I do expect that to you know protect the passport uh, will take a, a full court effort once again, um, and of course we're fully uh, willing to um, to fight that battle. Um, but we also want to make sure that uh, folks know how important those funds are to. Uh, protecting the parks, but also uh, a great benefit that the public gets from the passport to the parks is that when you go to a state park, 
you no longer have to pay an entrance fee at the gate. Um, just a few years ago, before the passport, if you were going to go on a weekend to a place like Hammond Asset or Rocky Neck or one of the shoreline parks, it would cost you $13 for just one visit. Um, so, you know, compared to that, you have a $5 uh, fee that gets you into all state parks without paying anything at the gate. It's a bargain uh, and it's critical to make sure that we have uh, parks in our state. So any, that, that I would say is at the very top of the list, Aaron. We're also trying to make sure that there is funding in place for, uh, you know, outdoor recreation priorities like uh, bonding for the state's uh, recreational trails and greenways program, which is a couple years out of date with being funded for open space uh, and other uh, climate related priorities. Uh, so there's no shortage of fun um, at, at the Capitol, but it, ha it has been an odd place uh, to try to do work because they have been closed to the public. Everything's been remote and it's that much more challenging uh, from the perspective of an advocate. And it's that much more critical that people who are interested in as volunteers or supporters um, would like to weigh in with their legislators. We encourage people to be active because that's the only way to ensure your voice is heard. I know it has been an issue in, in some other states, but do ATV riders and hikers in Connecticut generally coexist peacefully? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would say, um, you know, in, if you're talking about on state lands, uh, ATVs are specifically not uh, allowed on state lands. So, you know, they're, whether or not they coexist, um, you know, there shouldn't be ATV use uh, on state lands. But if you're talking about on private lands where there are uh, private landowners who allow ATV use on their properties, and there are uh, walking trails that or other types of trails that perhaps um, aren't best uh, used by ATVs. You might have uh, ATVs and um, other trails on the same property, but just not on the same track. And in that kind of instance, uh, they can coexist. But it's a difficult issue because, um, you know, ATVs because they're not allowed, um, and uh, and uh, during this past year when a lot of folks had uh, more time on their hands, we did also see some you know I'd say an, an increase in illegal ATV use in places where they shouldn't be, um, and ATVs are are maybe fun. Um, but they also can be dangerous, and we want to make sure that ATV users are using them uh, safely and, and in appropriate places. Now, in terms of events you have coming up, Connecticut Trails Day is back next month, June 5th and 6th. Tell us what's happening this year after things were, were kind of curtailed last year because of COVID. Absolutely. Yeah, Connecticut Trails Day is something we've been looking to— uh, Every year uh, since 1993, it's the first uh, first weekend in June every year. And in Connecticut, we've actually celebrated more Trails Day events than any other state in the nation uh, that first weekend uh, in June. And it's been that way every year. So we, we've got something uh, amazing that's happening here. Um, this year, we'll have uh, over 170 events taking place all around the state uh, on June 5th and 6th. 
Um, I, there is a directory of all of the events on the CFPA website at ctwoodlands.org. Um, and I, I, you know, there are certain limitations that we're imposing this year just because of uh, trying to be as COVID safe as we can be. But because they're outdoor events, uh, they are being held in person this year with uh, limited numbers uh, and with masks when people are in close proximity. Last year, we had to, because of COVID, um, make it a, a do-it-yourself uh, event where we basically uh, created some videos and said, here are some places where you can go to enjoy yourself, but to go on your own to do it. This year, we'll again have people leading the events who are very familiar with, the very, uh, with all of the places around the state where events are taking place. And that's a great way to get introduced to a new place uh, to learn about it from someone who knows it really well and to have a great time. Yeah, talk to me about the new places because I think a lot of people turn to some of the the classics, if you will, for hiking. I'm thinking about Sleeping Giant, thinking about Hubline Tower. Are people discovering new places to recreate outside during the pandemic? I, I certainly hope they are because um, you know, those popular places, especially over the last year, um, you know, as as Deep was trying to make sure that they uh, kept places open, but kept them open safely, they would reduce, uh, for example, at a place like Sleeping Giant or Talcott Mountain, uh, the parking uh, in some instances by half. What that meant was that those places filled up really quickly. And if you didn't have an idea for somewhere else to go, you might get really frustrated. Um, but we did find that people were um, you know, using resources like uh, the interactive trails map that we have on the CFPA website. There uh, should be a CT trails finder map coming out uh, you know, later this year that Yukon is gonna be working on. Uh, there are resources. Um, also, if you went to a shoreline uh, beach and found that it was also closed because there are so many people who got there early, they uh, offered some alternatives. So if, if people are looking for places to go, I would definitely encourage you on the, you know, the times that you know it's going to be busy uh, on the weekend uh, at the most popular parks. Have a few other places in mind uh, where you might go as a second, third, or fourth option. You'll get to enjoy more places, um, and uh, you know, make sure that you're not going to have your, you know, all of your eggs in one basket. The old adage says they're not making new land anymore. Does Connecticut continue to add open space and land for passive recreation? Uh, it, it does, uh, though I would certainly say the pace at which we are adding land for, uh, for outdoor recreation is not as fast as it uh, could be or should be. We, we actually have a statewide uh, goal that was set by the legislature uh, in, I believe, 1999, which was that we would uh, protect 21% of Connecticut as open space by the year 2023. Um, well, that year is coming up rapidly. We've uh, basically succeeded in about 75% of that goal. Um, the, you know, I don't think we're going to hit that goal in the next two years um, unless we dramatically increase the pace at which we're protecting land. Um, I would like to see us do that as a state, and I, I want to make sure, you know, and now we're seeing 
uh, like at, at the federal level, uh, talk about 30% of states being protected uh, for open space. You know, I, I think that's a, a great goal that we should be thinking about in Connecticut as well. Eric, one more time, if people want to learn more about the Connecticut Forest and Park Association, how can they do that? Uh, I think the best place to start is with our website, which is uh, www.ctwoodlands.org. And there's lots of information about our public policy, our trails, our land conservation, our education work that's happening all around the state. So we'd encourage people to learn more, get involved, support CFPA, and have a great summer. He is Eric Hammerling, Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Glad to be with you, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service, ported, 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.